It's time for From the Short Grass with Trey Shap, a golf podcast for those who love golf, struggle with golf, and just like to enjoy the outdoors and fellowship with friends, all while chasing a ball around trying to put it in a four and a quarter inch diameter hole. From the Short Grass is brought to you by Stevens Incorporated, an independent financial services firm with the freedom to focus on what matters most. Blackman Auctions. For over 80 years, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. We partner with you to deliver high-yield results by managing, developing, and investing in top-quality hospitality assets. And now, From the Short Grass, here is your host, Trey Schapp. Welcome to another edition of From the Short Grass. I am your host, Trey Schapp. This week, I sit down with Bryce Wade Mulder, born on January the 27th in Harrison, Arkansas. Bryce has a very interesting story about his path to the PGA Tour, playing golf with the President of the United States at the time, and what he shot while playing golf with the President. I think you're going to like this interview, this first of a two-part interview with Bryce Mulder. He and his wife, Kelly, live in Scottsdale, Arizona with their daughter. And I went out to Scottsdale to sit down with Bryce Mulder. I really hope you enjoy this first part of a two-part episode with Bryce Mulder. Blackman Auctions, since 1938, better auctions have always been Blackman Auctions. Go find them on the web, blackmanauctions.com. See their full lineup of upcoming auctions. We're back with Bryce Mulder after this. Stay with us. Heading to El Dorado to check out some live music or to play Mystic Creek? Stay at the Haywood, the only boutique hotel in the middle of downtown and the Murphy Arts District. If you are spending a weekend in Hot Springs, make plans now at the Marriott Courtyard close to Lake Hamilton and Oakwan. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel Group manages both of these fine properties and you will rest easy knowing that your every need is taken care of. Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels on the web at bphotels.com. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. The economy is changing slowly but surely. The market is slowing down in a gradual slide. Not an emergency yet, the sky is not falling, but a change is coming. When times are good, auctions make buyers compete to buy at the highest market value. When the economy gets tough, auctions force buyers to make a purchase decision. Either way, auctions get the highest return for a seller and a strong deal for a buyer. With an experienced auction company, it's a simple process. Go to BlackmanAuctions.com for more information. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Welcome back to this edition of From the Short Grass. Without further ado, on the tee, former PGA Tour member Bryce Mulder. Bryce Mulder, thanks for joining me on From the Short Grass. Man, you're looking great. You're enjoying life out here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't know if I'm looking great, but um, I am enjoying life. It's uh, Life's good. Uh, it's good for you to you know come out and, and, and spend a little time. I appreciate this. I'm glad that uh, you allowed me to come out and uh, sit down and talk. Uh, we've known each other for quite some time. I wanted to go back. When did you first pick up a golf club? Do you remember? I, I don't. I would have been about five years old. Uh, we lived in Edmond, Oklahoma at the time, and my dad took me to the range is what I remember. And now being a dad, I understand you get your kids into stuff that you like to do, so I totally get it. <laughs> But yeah, so I think it was just kind of start going to the range. It was when I picked up just about you know every sport. I played uh, soccer, baseball, uh, golf, tennis, uh, basketball. I think football was the only one I didn't I didn't 
I didn't play, but it was as far as the, the sports that you'd grow up, you know, in that area. I loved it. Like I loved, you know, any of them. I loved just being out and doing just anything. I get my hands on a bat, a ball. I loved it. And then it just turned out that golf, I was a little better than the others. So the others just kind of, once I got to be 10, 11, 12, I started dropping some of the others. And it's, I don't know, it's as simple as somebody goes, well, why'd you love it? And I'm like, well, I was better at it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's fun to win. And so, you know, basketball playing time was starting to shrink. Um, baseball was kind of the same time as golf. And I enjoyed golf a little bit more because it was, you know, baseball, sometimes you're kind of waiting, you're, you know, for sure. stuff, but it, it just interests me. And so it, it took me for a little while. The interest of it. You're very competitive. Were you competitive at a young age? I was. And golf is so, it's so easy to be competitive because you have a number sitting right there staring at you, right? Whereas you got to, you know, if you're going to play tennis, you need to find somebody that's somewhat your, you know, ability to even have a game, right? You've got basketball, you got to, yeah, there's one-on-one, there's kind of playing 21 on the, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not quite like that you post a score and it, not, it doesn't have to go up in the on in the clubhouse but you shot a score that day and that's who you are right so it's pretty easy to see how you know your own barometer and then it's easy to compare yourself with others right so from that nature it was it was easy to be competitive and i i'm competitive in everything that i that i do now i i now have a little bit more self-awareness to be like, okay, is this really that important? Do I really need to get worked up over this? But at the time, it was just something else to, an avenue to pursue something that was fun. And when you're winning, it just becomes more competitive for you because it's it's fun, right? And you build some self-confidence through it. And it's such an individual game that you you learn how to win, you learn how to lose on your own. So from that aspect, it was uh, it was a fun sport, you know, as, as a kid growing up. You were born in Harrison, Arkansas. Picked up the game of golf when you were in Edmond, Oklahoma. Your parents moved to Conway, Arkansas. Your dad joined Chennault Country Club, gave you a place, a nice mm-hmm. place, to hone the craft and practice. What was that transition like from Edmond to Conway? So we moved around a little bit. So we, we actually lived uh, for a few years in Tulsa okay. uh, before moving to Conway. You know, at the time, I think I was 13, I think, when we moved to Conway, and, and we already had some family that lived in Conway, and my dad went to, to college there. So it was a nice soft landing spot. He was working in Little Rock, but um, good schools, good town. I was then starting to compete at, at a national level. And I don't appreciate, of course, you don't appreciate these things when you're 13, but the sacrifices that were made, Chanel's a very nice club. It was a sacrifice. And my parents, we were very fortunate. We were very, you know, middle class, upper middle class. It was still a, a sacrifice to be able to do that. Um, if it wasn't for myself and as much time and energy that I spent into golf, we probably, it, it wouldn't have been pursued as just something recreational, right? So I have to say that now because now I'm a dad and I look <laughs> at things differently, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm actually writing the check. I'm actually, you know, paying. Um, but there, there was also a conversation of, hey, I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy this. But this is a, a, a place that I think that you could, it could help you excel. Um, that's when we met uh, Danny Snyder, I was the pro out there for many years, and he was my teacher for so many of those years when I was, you know, growing up. Those little decisions, and not little, but big sacrifices and decisions, um, were a big part of just laying a, the opportunity to be able to do, you know, what what came to fruition later. What does Dan Snyder mean to Bryce Mulder? You know, he was really the first teacher that I had. Even at 13, I had some lessons. Uh, when I lived in Oklahoma, there were some, you know, there was a, a pro. I, I played with a kid there quite a bit, and his, his dad was a pro, and so I took a few lessons with him. But it was always just kind of fundamentals. And then I was growing, and I was starting to compete at a high level nationally. So pro, 
Danny Snyder, he, he was the first real teacher that I had, right? And so from that moment, from 13 through kind of my early 20s when we worked together, it was he helped shape me into the golfer that I became, right? And so you're growing, you know, just physically what happens to you from when you're 13 to 20 years old is, 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 is a big difference. And so just having somebody that has a set of eyes on you that has a professional set of eyes to be able to, mm-hmm. you know, help you deal with that, help not, you improve. You not know, a is, bad teacher. You know, no, and that's the thing. It's I play with people all the time that ask me, hey, will you show me? I'm not a teacher. I know that no advice is better than bad advice. <laughs> so yeah, what my dad did early with just go play. Here's some fundamentals. Here's some people that know a little bit more than me. Then just go play. Was probably accidentally the best thing that could have happened. And then as I'm then maturing as a player and needing someone that actually has that that level of of coaching, whether it's mentally, physically, fundamentals, setup, all those things, the timing was perfect. And to then to run into somebody like Dan Snyder, who, you know, had the the expertise, um, but he also had the personality and had been around uh, with whether Glenn Day or some of the players of Oklahoma. And, and Ronnie Black, there were, there were a number of players that he had spent time with and seen them play at a high level. So he, he understood that part too. So none of that can really be discounted with, you know, you see people excel at anything and you look back and you're like, oh, well, that whether that was an accident or not, that was a massive gift at the right time, right? So all of those things, whether it was tour level quality place to play golf and practice and then to have, you know, a teacher there and that set of eyes on you to watch you grow is really important sometimes to see you play your best mm-hmm. so they know what that looks like and then they see you play your worst they need to know all that right and so it's not just here here's a film tell me what i'm doing right or wrong you know the golf game's a natural living organism right and it's who you are it's how your body moves and it's some of the best players in the world or, or best ball strikers of the world or best putters of the world don't necessarily look what you might just kind of say is you know you know neutral prototypical but it works, right? So you kind of need to know, you need to have that that kind of teacher that's seen you. Right, when he's hitting it well, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is the rhythm. When he's not, this is where it goes. And this is how you get him back. So those are really important years to me. You had to have loved the pro-ams then. Not being a teacher, not looking. I mean, you know how to swing, but I'm sure you got tons of questions during pro-ams. You know, it's, so I could, where I would go towards is, is like the management side, right? It's like, no, 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 no. It, don't hit that club here, hit this club here. Yeah. Here, try this. And then it would be, actually, I learned it late. Uh, Gary McCord said it one time, and he, he goes, if you ever, this is great advice. He goes, if you ever give a tip, wait till like the 15th or 16th hole. He goes, because they're not good enough to do it the whole round anyway. So you give them a tip on about the 15th or 16th hole. They're going to hit two or three good shots with you. Think you're amazing. The next day when they go out and try it, it's not going to work, but they're not going to remember that and blame you. So they're going to think you're amazing. And I was like, that's actually pretty good advice. And so every once in a while I would step in there and I'd be like, okay, if you're set up this way, you kind of have no chance of doing what you're trying to do. Let's, let's try to do this or that. But I, I didn't get much into, into swing. It was more of, you know, shot selection. Hey, aim over here because of this. Thinking on that, on that side of the game. How many times did you use McCord's advice? You know, I, still today. I mean, people ask and I'll kind of watch a little bit. And then it's then you kind of – because it's true, if you step in there on the 10th hole and they stripe it two or three times, they're not going to stripe it the whole round. I mean, nobody, you know, it's unrealistic. So 
Um, it's actually genius um, advice. So, you know, still to this day, I'll, I'll but I, I, I'm not afraid now. I'll just be like, I don't know how to swing as far as to teach it. So, and like I, you know, I said previously, no advice is better than bad advice. So I may give one little tip that's kind of a no-brainer that I see. And outside of that, I just stay away from it. Conway High School. Golf team was loaded. Y'all were good. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun because it, it was rare to fill out a five-person roster with true golfers throughout. It was mainly athletes that also played golf, and that's what we had. And we had two or three golfers on the team. We had two or three guys that were athletes that also played golf, and that was. But they were also my friends, which was fun. And it wasn't. And it was. It was almost like we were friends first, and then because we were friends, they played more golf. And because they were athletic enough and we played every other sport, they were good enough to where it was like, oh, well, they'd be able to make the team travel. And so then it, then it made high school golf even more fun, right? So, but then some of the fun was, was playing against, you know, some of the friends at, at Catholic or wherever that I, that I played on the high school level with or, or in the summers with, uh, but didn't be able to play um, some of the high school matches with were, were fun. And, and uh, you know, we, we, had, we had some good seasons. With you and your, your parents being a member of Chennault Country Club, it afforded you the opportunity one time when uh, President Bill Clinton came into town and wanted to go play. And he said, oh, I've got to have somebody to play with. And <laughs> here's Bryce Mulder. You got to play with the President of the United States. Yeah, so 1999, you know, he would come out, I don't know how many times a year, but I remember, you know, Dan Snyder saying one time, he said, hey, if, if you're out here and the President comes to play, do you want to join him if there's room? And, of course, the answer is yes, right? So all of a sudden I – pull up just on a regular day and there's, you know, 34 black SUVs and, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay, it's one of those days. He's here. That's, that's right. It's not, it's no secret, right? Um, so I walk down uh, around the corner, you know, towards the pro shop or whatever and Dan stops me and goes, hey, do you want to play today? Of course, yeah, you know, and so um, he goes, well, I think, I think there's, I think they're going to make room. I don't remember meeting him, I just remember, and maybe it was on the first tee. I don't remember when we met. I just remember from kind of the first tee on, and and I was just a part of the group, even though I was 20, 21 years old. It, you know, as far as personality, charisma, you can measure it, right? It's it's just amazing. Uh, but some of the other fun little anecdote, you know, is the round is six hours long, right? Because he's going to take a picture with everybody that asked. And I remember talking to the Secret Service one time. I'm, You know, I'm just kind of like so... So how do you know I don't like have like something in my bag or you know? And they're like, we know. And I was like, oh okay, that's cool. All right, good. <laughs> all right. So they went through all my stuff. That's cool. Um, so we, uh, but, but I remember the day. I remember I was playing really well, and and uh, President Clinton he he got into it and and got into it maybe as much or more than I did. So he was pretty excited when you know made some putts late. And and ended up shooting sixty that day. You made more than a couple of putts late, so, Bryce. So <laughs> you don't shoot sixty without making some early as well. So and, and I think the the best part. So I was you know twenty one. I think it was twenty one at the time, which was very cool, right? And then the older you get, things like that become you, you get the the real perspective and how cool that is. And then I think it was I, I would guess like two thousand twelve. Um, so call it you know however many years later, thirteen, fourteen years later. I'm at um, the the Bob Hope, but at one point it was presented by the Clinton Foundation, mm -hmm. right? And so, and my agent came to me at the time and said, hey, um, I think President Clinton's going to be at a reception and they're inviting some of the tour players. Do you want me to get you on that list? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, right? So we go to this little, you know, kind of 
room at, at, at one of the hotels there. And uh, there's a lot of energy, right? Even just before somebody like that comes into a room, there's there's real energy, right? So so then President Clinton walks in, but he walks in the back the back entrance and, of course, walks right up to the table with a few of the players' wives, as you could imagine. One of those is my wife, right? And she introduces herself. I'm Kelly Mulder. And he just stops. And he goes, I know your husband. I played golf. And, and starts right then right? Just talking about the the round. And then we got introduced or reintroduced um, a minute or two later. And he stops the room. And he actually said I shot 59 that day and I wasn't going to stop him. Um, so we just went with it. And so, you know, he stops the room and I played with Bryce when we were, you know, and, and then the really cool part was sitting there for 10 minutes or so talking with him and my wife about Arkansas football and we just beat TCU in the Sugar Bowl, I think it was. Or no, the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. Sorry, Kansas State. Was it Kansas State? Kansas State. Kansas State. Yes. Purple. Right. I had that in my head. That's close right, enough. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about the game, and he's, you know, he was laughing, and, and he goes, yeah, I was you know, yelling at the TV, and Hillary's yelling at me in the other room, stop yelling at the TV. And you know, my wife's like, does that go on forever? And he's like, oh, honey, if you're a Razorback, you know, that's with you forever. Like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to live with that forever. And so it, it was one of those just really cool, intimate moments that you don't get to share with a person like that, right? And it, and it's still to this day, probably the one time where my wife looked at me w- with like a little bit of like, wow, that was maybe first time ever she's been impressed with me with any, probably last time too. So, um, I mean, you've won on the PGA Tour, no, that's uh, not, that, no, no. but that, that's nothing. Uh, the fact that the president of United States, the most powerful man in the world, has a relationship with my husband. That's pretty cool. That was, yeah, no. So it was it was a cool uh, that was a cool experience playing golf, and then to be able to kind of get reunited years later, and then all the stories you hear about you know the photographic memory and everything. You're just like, no, he recited our round. You know, he missed by one shot, right? But it, but he essentially all but recited the round, and that was pretty cool. Was that kind of like an out of this world moment for you. I mean, were you just like in the zone that day? I mean, you've got all this around you, Secret Service, people coming out of their houses to say hello to the president and everything. And here you are, laser focused Bryce Mulder, just goes out and shoots a 60, 12 under par. I have to qualify it, right? We're playing from the white tees. I don't care where you're playing from, Bryce. When you play with the president, you, you play where you he get wants some to gimmies. play. You, you maybe get oh, a second so ball. So he knocked the first a couple team. of balls back to you. Um, so uh, you know, I I played very well that day, and I know why. You know, somebody said there's there's two types of golf. There's tournament golf. There's all other golf, right? So this was the all other golf, but it was it was still a pretty cool round of golf, and and I think just about any player would tell you that they some of their worst rounds also but their best rounds are usually with like a lot of energy and a lot like nerves mm-hmm. and if if you're if you're if you're really good at something then you actually get a little bit better with nerves and in that situation sometimes it can make you play worse but it can also make you play better than you ever could on just a natural day right and so I would chalk it up to that I was just as likely to shoot 80 that day off the nerves and if it's going a little sideways or you know not going great it, it, you know but all in all pretty good day and then and then good follow-up you know whatever 13 years later you were born with a small left hand and being a right-handed golfer that's where the power comes from how did you get through early on building the strength there and then also you had to have a glove 
specifically designed just for your hand that allowed you to play the game, right? I did. So I don't think I knew as a kid, and I found out what it was called later, Poland syndrome. So I'm missing a left pec major, and then my left hand's probably two-thirds to three-quarters the size of my right. And sometimes it's worse. I've, I've met some kids along the way. In some instances, I've, I've met some where, where you know really could keep you from doing some activities, even even golf to a certain level. Fortunately, never impacted me that much. And I didn't really know any different, right? So the way I would ex- explain it is just like a right-handed player would pick up the club and start playing different than a lefty. Somebody tall, somebody short, somebody with big hands, long arms, short arms, like you don't really know any different. Fortunately, it never really kept me from swinging the club. Now, was there a little bit of compensation for sure, right? Because I built very asymmetrical. My left arm's a little shorter than my than my right. And, you know, of course, my golf team, college team, they said it was an unfair advantage. Putting, they, you know, um, <laughs> there was had to have been some kind of reason, right. right? So I was making putts. But so, yeah, I never really, and my parents, I think, did a good job of, it's not a handicap if mm-hmm. you, if you, you know, you don't give it that value right so it's it's just kind of hey we're all different you know and even my daughter who's you know eight years older once while she'd be like why is that hand different than that one you know and i'd be like we're all different right and she'd be like yeah and then she kind of moves on so it's 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 kind of whatever the value created but i also i don't want to undersell the fact that there are people out there with the same issue or a syndrome that that it could actually have because if it was more severe then it could have kept me from playing at much of a level at all so I can also look at it as I was you know one of the lucky ones as far as that goes so but yeah I think my my parents did a good job though also too just kind of like hey it's there but whatever I think the worst part was like you know when you're like 10 years old you're playing basketball and like shirts and skins and I'm like I didn't want to take my shirt off because I looked a little different than the other kids you know and and then I grew past that pretty quickly when 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 I played as well as I did with golf it was almost like well I use my body to do this and I've excelled at it so you know forget that and so it, it gave me some confidence that otherwise um you know I'm, I might have have lacked because of that but otherwise it's it's uh hasn't been you know hasn't been an issue but yeah I still you know I had to get gloves made just so that the fingers don't hang off the end and and it's a little tougher to find those these days somebody to make those for me is when I was playing so I kind of stockpiled beforehand so I still yeah. have some gloves to use you're a Razorback fan through and through but you did not go to Arkansas to play golf. Was that a tough decision to make? It was. It was the, the state of the program at the time was different than it is is now. I think there was also, there was a little bit of a feeling of kind of the easy thing would have been to go where my friends are going, go in state, stay close to home. And I don't mean that in a bad way at all, right? It was just more of, I, I think I needed to just get out and grew up a little bit. Um, I was very interested in the academics that Georgia Tech could offer. The golf itself was going to be high quality. Um, and I also knew two or three guys that signed the year before. So all those things kind of come together. And then sometimes you just, you know, you think back to when you're a junior or senior in college and you're talking about where you're going to school. Sometimes it's just fun to say a cool school. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like something school, else. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, and I don't think that was the reason, but it's like all those things kind of come together. Like at graduation when they list, okay, oh, this person's going to UCA. This That's person's right. going to Arkansas State. Bryce Mulder, Georgia Tech. It, there is. There's like something to that as well, right? So, but That's we, right. I'm going to be a yellow jacket. That's right. So, but, yeah, there, there, was, there was a culmination of a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I think it was just one of those things where it worked out. Um, it, was, it was the perfect fit for me at the time. 
and I'm, I'm still, you know, part of that family, but I can still be a part of, you know, the Razorback family because I, I can't, I can't not be. And, you know, we all know from state of Arkansas, the, how important our sports are to us in the SEC. And it's just, it's, it's going to be a part. And I still follow, you know, Arkansas more, more than I do, you know, Georgia Tech, other than our golf team and our golf program. But just because that's just what I bleed, right? You were an outstanding collegiate golfer. Some would argue one of the most decorated collegiate golfers. Two times won the Jack Nicholas Award, Haskins Award winner. At the time, you had the lowest scoring average as a collegiate golfer. I mean, you beat Tiger Woods. Kind of. I had an amazing run in college. I really did. That was That was when I hit my stride. That was when I not necessarily peaked. But from just a reaching a certain level at that, you know, uh, wherever I was, that was that was the most I excelled in any spot, being, um, if not the the best player, but one of the two best two or three players for for my college experience. And you know, I, my game was mature at the time. I scored well. What I didn't do well, as far as ball striking, just didn't show up yet, right? And it was more of it, nobody was a great like consistent ball striker at the time, and so it was my scoring. Uh, when I hit it well, I hit as well as anybody in college. So when you combine that with consistency and thinking my way around a course and, and being one of the best putters, I was able to hold that together for, you know, all four years. And so that was fun. And that was a, you know, I got choked up um, when I kind of, I don't know if it was official retirement, but, and I was talking about, and it just hit me then, right? That that was the one time in my life where I knew that if I went out and played well, that nobody was going to catch me. I didn't really know that first two, three years in college. I knew that I'd probably win. My senior year in college, there's nobody that could play with me if I played well. That feeling, I didn't even think of it at the time, right? I didn't even acknowledge it at the time until mm-hmm. much later. I didn't acknowledge the fact that some guys were like intimidated to play with me until years later and they said something. And I'm like, what? And they're like, well, I just knew if, you know, I remember talking with Camila Vajegas, right? And he was a freshman. I was a senior. It just kind of struck me because I just never really saw myself that way. I just was going to go out and try to win. And he just said, you know, he goes, no, I won. Because you remember when I won regionals? And he goes, and you, you almost caught me. And believe me, if there was three or four holes left, you would have caught me. And I knew it. And you knew it. And I'm like, wow. I didn't remember that, but I did. I did feel that way. I remember feeling that way. Like, I'm going to run out of holes, but if it wasn't for, for running out of holes, I, I'd win this thing. And that feeling was, uh, you know, it's something I won't feel again. It was something I didn't feel after that, but to have that at some point in time was pretty special. And even if I didn't realize at the time, to be able to look back and be like, "No, I, you know, I knew at that point in time there was nobody that was going to catch me." And but it's it's funny because even in that moment, I, I was I was thinking about you know Tiger was number one in the world, and the gap between him and second in the world was massive. And I'm all I'm thinking about is, well, how do I chase Tiger? Because that was my next thing. So you move on to what kind of the next thing is even before you get there. So maybe that's kind of where my headspace was. But yeah, the college days were, were very fun. And, and I had also an, an amazing team around me. Uh, played three years with Matt Kuchar and, and he was a year older. So, you know, him winning the U.S. Amateur right when I was coming into school, all the attention went to him. I was able to just kind of grow without really a lot of pressure on me there for a little while before I really like, so, you know, you could even when we, you know, we talked about some of the little accidental things that, that happen along the way that help you get somewhere, even things like that, you know, but we also had just a competitive enough team that um, everywhere on the corner, if you didn't play your tail off, you were going to, um, you know, you could, you could miss qualifying, yeah. right? Not much less, 
you know, not be not be the number one player on the team. So all those things helped, you know, shape, you know, shape all those things. You have to stop at some point, and that's where we're going to take a break, but only for an episode. We'll be back with part two of Bryce Mulder in our next episode. But right now, I want to tell you about the great folks at Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. Matthew Allen, Blair Allen, they know how to manage hotel properties. When you need a place to stay, make sure it's one of their properties, and you can do that by going to the web, bphotels.com. We're back to wrap it up after this. This is Thomas Blackman with Blackman Auctions. You all know by now I'm not a good golfer, but my son loves the game and he and I have been playing more. I've got my score down to, I've quit playing a scramble on every hole. I'm using the bunker rake much less than I used to, and a lot of the time I hit my drives past the women's tee box. All of my success in golf can directly be tied to me listening to From the Short Grass. Without it, I would not be the golfer I am today. Trey, you owe me 20 bucks for that. Trey knows golf, I know auctions. Come see us at blackmanauctions.com. Since 1938, better auctions are Blackman Auctions. Traveling to Fayetteville to watch a game? Forgot to book a room for the night? Beachwood Pinnacle Hotel Group has you covered. Stay where the fans stay. Staybridge Suites is just south of Baumwalker Stadium and is an all-suite hotel within walking distance of Baumwalker, Bud Walton, and Razorback Stadium. Or you could stay at the Comfort Inn and Suites with newly remodeled rooms throughout the entire property. Find them on the web at bphotels.com, Beachwood Pinnacle Hotels. That will do it for this edition of From the Short Grass. Don't forget, part two of Bryce Motor comes your way next week. I leave you with this golf quote, and it comes from Bryce Mulder. He says, sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to two-putt when you have to. I hope you're able to make those two putts when you need to, and when you find your ball marker on the green, fix it and a couple of more, and I hope to see you soon from the short grass. You've been listening to From the Short Grass, a weekly podcast dedicated to the game of golf. This has been a presentation of the Buzz Radio Network.